This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast, where we discuss topics that can be controversial or uncontroversial. Topics range from family, faith, lifestyle, you name it. No topic is off limits. New episodes released every Tuesday and Friday. All right, sit back and relax. Here is your host of the show, Connie. Welcome to Vent Town with Connie podcast. I'm your host, Connie. Welcome to a brand new episode. I hope you guys are doing well. Well, happy Tuesday. <laughs> so, um, welcome new listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And um, I hope you check out other episodes because we do have tons of episodes for you to check out. And um, I promise you, let me not make promises. I'm sure you will enjoy it. Trust me. For the OGs, thank you so much for your continuous support. Um, you are greatly appreciated. And I love your loyalty. I thank you for your loyalty. Rocking with me since day one. Thank you so much. If you are a godly woman interested in growing your faith in Christ, your walk with Christ, um, and you want to read the Bible, study the Bible with godly women too, I would highly encourage you to send email ventanwithconnie at yahoo.com to join our Bible study called Vent to God Bible Study. And we are going through the book of John. And um, please come join us. Send us email. We do it via Zoom. It's a private section. And we do it bi-weekly on Mondays at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. If you're interested, send us email ventanwithconnie at yahoo.com. And just in case, if you want to be a guest on this show, we do have a website, ventimewithconnypodcast.com. You can go over to the website and um, fill out the guest form, or you can just shoot us email, ventimewithconnyayahoo.com. We do like to get guests on this show sometimes. So today's episode, we are back with our proverb series. I haven't done it. For a while now, so we stopped at Proverbs 5 and today we are doing Proverbs 6. So Proverbs 6 basically teaches us like the practical ways to apply wisdom because we'll be talking about wisdom all this one, but practical ways to apply wisdom that we get from above, right? For example, if you are wondering, hmm, how can I not be like worthless and wicked people? This pro- this chapter on Proverbs, Proverbs 6, let you know the ch- traits of a wicked people so you will evaluate yourself based on that if you see any of those traits in you it's never too late just confess your sin repent because we have a god that is so faithful and ready to forgive our sins so we just confess and repent from that okay also this chapter six proverb chapter six will teach us the culture of god's people that will set them apart from the word this is a culture of discipline because God loved those who he chastised. So if you are interested in edifying message that will not only build you up, but teach you how to walk in holiness, you know how we do it. Grab a water, grab a tea, or grab a coffee if you like, and don't move an inch because we'll be back after this. Keep on listening. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so we are in Proverbs 6. If you, if this is your first time listening to the Proverbs series, 
just make sure after this one, check out other episodes because we have talked about Proverb 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So we are on Proverb 6 now. And this is how this usually goes. I will read the verse. I will read the chapter first and then share two, two or three um, verses that stood out to me and some of the things that we can learn from this chapter. And what I've shared, what I will share on this episode or what I have shared in previous episodes is not the only thing that you can learn from that chapter. It's just something that I think resonate with me and that I can share in a short period of time, in a short amount of time. And I'm sure if you read it in depth, I'm sure the Holy Spirit will show you other things for you to learn. And um, yeah, so don't take what you're listening now as all you can learn. This is not where your Bible study should stop. It should exceed. You should have a private devotion to God. And that involves reading his word. So this podcast or any podcast that you will listen to is not your private devotion. You should have your own private devotion as well too. I mean, it can involve your private devotion, but it shouldn't stop at this. Okay. All right. So I'm going to read Proverbs 6 now and I'm going to read it in NLT. Um, I, before I usually read in ESV, but when I was reading ESV, <laughs> some part I was like, I don't think I understand this. So when I read it in NLT, it makes more sense to me. So I'm going to read it to you guys in NLT. You can read it in any translation you want, but this is the one that I like the most in this, in just in this Proverbs 6. Okay, let me read it. The word of God reads, My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now, swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazillia, escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? Will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of the eye, nudge of the foot, or the wingle of fingers. Their perverted hearts plus evil, and they constantly stir up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope of healing. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detects. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that will kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. My son, obey your father's commands, and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. 
When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp, and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way of is the way to life. It will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her cold glances seduce you. For a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Can a man scoop a flame into his lamp and into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with a man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will not go unpunished. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he's starving, but he's caught. He must pay back seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased, for the woman's jealous husband will be furious and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation, nor be satisfied with a payoff of any size. Amen. Wow. Let's take a deep breath on that, huh? <gasps> Breathing out. Okay. <laughs> right. So this is a lot. It's mouthful. It's a lot. When I was reading this first, I was like, this NLT, even the words they use, it's like, ooh, it's quite, it's quite harsh. It's quite, ooh. But that's the truth. The truth hurts, you know? So I'm going to go ahead and share the verses that stood out to me. The first verses that stood out to me was verse 16 to 19. Let me read it again just to remind us what it is. There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family so why did this verse stood out to me so let's just break it down little by little because he mentioned seven things 16 god hate and the seventh one is an abomination to god some translation says abomination but nlt says um god detects so let's talk about the haughty eyes the haughty eyes basically when um the definition of haughty eyes means like proud arrogant basically someone that thinks highly of themselves you know so that's what a haughty eyes is and a prideful person when you go to romans 12 verse 16 romans 12 verse 16 says live in harmony with one another do not be haughty but associate with the lonely never be wise in your own sight so the haughty there also means don't be prideful you know, associate with um, the lonely. That could be poor people or people that you think that is not in your in your class. Or we can say there are ordinary people or common people or common people, you know. So you shouldn't be that prideful to feel like they're not in your level, you know. So that's what this means. God hates their God despised the proud and give grace to the humble. I can't remember what verse in the Bible that was in. It's probably in Proverbs. I'm not sure. But... That's something God hates. You know, you should be humble. That's basically what this is saying. Haughty is not is what God hates. 
but God do love the humble. And we can tell by when you go to when you go to um the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, and this is coming out of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, Matthew 5, verse 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So the meek here is also humble. Um, that's what it means. So this is something God encouraged us to be. And because he said, when you are humble, you are blessed. So haughty eyes, which is prideful, arrogant, thinking highly of yourself, like Romans 12, 16 says, never be wise in your own sight. Basically thinking highly of yourself, thinking you are wiser than everybody else, you know, like you know it all, you know. So these are things that God hates and we should avoid, we should stay out of, you know. If you see this in your life, because I'm sure some of us might be guilty of this, um, even though you think, uh, I don't think I'm that bad. But read the word of God. The word of God will tell you exactly what you need to do. It will basically read you. Trust me. So that's what we need to do. Stay away from it. Because if we say we love God, we love what he loves and we hate what we hate. And he's telling us he hates prideful people. Haughty eyes. So that's that first one. That's the number one thing he hates. Then the second one is, according to Proverbs 6, a lying tongue. This is actually, this is... um someone that lies that you just can't when they tell you good morning you go outside and check if it's evening you know you just don't trust what they say someone is always you find yourself always lying like you have to lie yourself out of situation because you feel like lying is the way is the way for you to survive in life the what people like to hear because these days i know people don't like the truth some people have accepted this people don't like the truth people want to hear lies and they just start lying to get away with things, to get people's praise, to get people's approval, to get things from people. That's not an excuse to keep on lying. If people like, if people hate the truth, you're still obligated to say the truth because your father is full of truth. Your father's word is truth. If you lie, you didn't know what, who, who is full of lies. The father of all lies is the devil. And you do not want to be his children, trust me. If we say our father is truth, we have to be telling the truth. And we also, when we go back to New Testament, because we are New Testament church, when we go to New Testament, Matthew 5, 33 to 37, let's read it to see what Jesus has to say about honesty. It says, and I read, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swell forcefully, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Anything more than this is basically lies. And it comes from the father of all lies. That's my own translation. But that's just what Jesus has to say about it. So let's be an, let's be women of integrity. Men of integrity. You know, that's what we should be. People of integrity. Let our yes be yes. Let our no be no. And don't mistake wisdom as manipulation. Don't mistake wisdom as lying. 
just to get out of things. That's wisdom. That's not wisdom. That's lying. Don't mistake wisdom as lying. They are two different things. And we can tell in Proverbs 6, God does not like a lying tongue. I just want you to be honest. Although it will cost you people to hate you, perhaps sometimes it costs you your life, because there are some people that are killed because they are Christian, because they believe in Christ. Although it will cost you that, you still have to tell the truth no matter what. There's no other option. So that's the second thing, according to Proverbs 6. Another one is hands that kill the innocent. So this is basically talking about killing someone physically because he said hands. I'm thinking maybe physical. When you physically want to harm someone, innocent people want to kill them. So that's something that we should stay away from. I mean, we know murder is sin. We know God hates them. We know that. I mean, you don't need enough explanation for that one. You know, killing someone, any form, a child, a newborn, an infant, a fetus, killing an innocent person. We know that is wrong because you did not give life to that person. So you have no right to take their life. That's all I have to say on that one. Then the fourth one is God hates a heart that plots evil. Now, it's going into the heart's um, condition because God God looks in the heart, right? So when you plot evil on your heart for another person, you should repent from it. That's why Jeremiah 17, 9, I think so. Let me check and make sure. I don't want to quote it wrong. Yes, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And if you read in verse 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So you should be praying like David prayed in Psalm 139 to the end about God examining his heart. That means we should be praying for God to examine our heart, our thought, to see if there's any evil and lead us to everlasting life, you know, because our heart can deceive us. Our heart can lead us astray. I know the word always talk about follow your heart, follow your heart. Please do not follow your heart. Follow God's word. Do you know if I would have, if I followed my silly heart, I would have married the wrong guy. No, I would be very miserable if I would have married that wrong guy. And if you ask me, I say I followed my heart. And thank God God rescued me from that relationship. And I was like, OMG. I was really deceived. My heart deceived me. I know sometimes we don't want to admit that because we want to keep thinking highly of ourselves. But that's the truth. Our heart can deceive us. Stop listening to the society telling you to follow your heart. Please, listen to God's word. And that's who is going to direct you. I mean, we're going to find that out when we keep talking, when we keep reading Proverbs 6 because it did say that. So please, always pray for God to examine your heart. Examine your thoughts to see if there's any evil and lead you to everlasting life. Because we don't want to be deceived by our own heart. Because we human beings, we are good at deceiving ourselves. We are. Trust me. And we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves and believe in our own lies, which is so terrible. That shows how deprived we are. How, I don't know, how lost we are without Christ. Okay? So that's what it is. So that's the fourth one. The fifth one, according to Proverbs 6, what God hates is, Feet that are, that are raised to do wrong. That's someone that's always quick 
to do something wrong, run to evil, or rejoice in evil, rejoice in wrongdoing, and you are quick to do that, that means it's already in your heart. Definitely, we should stay away from that because God do not like that. Then the sixth one is a false witness who pours out lies. That could be someone who slander people they don't know, slander celebrities they don't even they don't know because of they don't like what they did or something. And slander is something God do not like. Please stay away from them. Please, because we need to be mindful. If you are not sure of something, don't go talking about it. Because you could be slandering that person. You know, so um, that's something we should stay away from. Um, a false witness who pours out lies. Lying against your brothers and sisters because of your own selfish need. We should stay away from that. Then the seventh one, which, which God calls an abomination, is a person who sows discord in a family. Okay, so this one. Um, I want to talk about what this doesn't mean, right? This does not mean that you cannot call out a sin in the life of a brother or sister in Christ or in the life of your earthly family members. That's not what this means. You can do that. You can call out wrongdoing or sin in your brother's and sister's life in a loving way. That means you are telling them their wrongdoing with patience, kindness, and also Love, if you say you love someone, you should not rejoice in their wrongdoing because that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 told us. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Okay? So make sure you are calling out sin, not male preferences. So we need to make sure we differentiate that. Preferences could be, oh, I like yellow and you say you like green. That's just preference, okay? You don't. It doesn't have to be seen. You're not calling out something that you think is wrong because they don't agree with you. No. Make sure it's according to God's word. So that's what we are talking about. So what is this verse talking about? Verse. Um. This verse talking about uh, when it says a person who sows discord in a family. So so it means someone who intentionally or unintentionally poison the mind of another fellow believer or brother in Christ um, for their own selfish ends or selfish needs. And why I say intentionally or unintentionally, because ignorance is not an excuse. Just because you don't know you are doing wrong doesn't mean you're not doing wrong. You are still doing wrong, whether you know it or not. When you realize that, when you find out that you're doing wrong, confess your sin and repent from it. Don't make excuses. I don't know. Just confess and repent. Don't play a victim. Okay? Yes, you don't know. Fine. Rep and you now know. Do better. That's what we have to do. Stop playing the victim. Okay? So, when you intentionally or unintentionally poison the mind of an another believer, another brother or sister in Christ or in the earthly realm, right? When you do that, you are causing division. And most especially when you do that, it's always because of your own selfish ends. Maybe you want that person to be on your side. You want to still be benefiting something from that person. God hates that because you're causing division in his body, in his family. Because he do, do love his bride, which is the church. Okay? So we should cherish the relationship we have with our fellow believers. When a brother or sister wrong you, as a believer, as a Christian, 
The Bible tells us how we can solve issues, how we can resolve problems, disputes between brothers and sisters. What you do is go and talk to your brother. Like Matthew 18 verse 15 says, let me read it. If another believer sin against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And some translation will say you have won your brother. So that's how we should go about resolving issue between brothers and sisters. We shouldn't be talking, slandering their name with another fellow believer, or poisoning the mind of that fellow believer or brother to hate them because you hate them. No, if they do something wrong to you, go and approach them. That's what we should do. That's how we should do it biblically. And as children of God, we need to walk in the light. We cannot be proclaiming ourselves children of God, but we are walking like the children of the devil. We can't do that. You cannot love God and love the world. You have to choose one. Pick a hustle, okay? So another verse that stood out to me was verse 23. Let me read it. Verse 23 says, For their command is a lamp, and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. So, dear, in this verse, dear is spelled T-H-E-I-R. So, if you are reading along with me, you will see what I'm talking about. If not, that's why I had to spell it. So, dear, it refers to previous verse. Let's go to verse 20. It says, my son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. So, dear, they're talking about, refers to the mother and father teaching you commanding you, instructing you, you know, and that's what he's talking about there. Now, these parents they're talking about here, these are godly parents. That means saved parents, parents that have gone through new birth. They are new creation in Christ, right? Regenerated hearts. That's what they have. They have a new heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're not pagan parents or lost parents that we should be praying for, for their salvation. So that's not the type of parents that we are talking about here, okay? Because these are godly parents that will give you God's word. The command and instruction came from God's word. So it's God's word that they are talking about here, okay? That Solomon, King Solomon is talking about here. It's just not any advice a parent gives you that you know when you take it to the word of God, is not godly. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? So let's make sure we make that clear, okay? So we are talking about God's word here. Godly parents that have um, given you God's word by, you know, training you in righteousness, okay? Training you as the way uh, you should grow, as the way God wants you to grow, you know, training you in the word of God, all those things. So that's what we are talking about. So I want to talk about verse 23. It says, for their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. So... When I read this, this is how I understood it. So, for their command is a lamp. The command here is God's word. So, God's word is a lamp. If we talk about this physically, right? When someone gives you a lamp, I don't know if you know what a lamp is. You can go to Google and, and just search and Google lamp so you know how it looks like. Back home, when, because back home we don't have electricity all the time. So, I remember sometimes you would turn on the lamp. And the lamp is just, I don't know how to describe it. That's something you will light up so you can see because there's no light. There's no power, you know? 
So that's the best I can describe it. Go to Google, search for it. You'll see what lamp is. So at home, when you have lamp and you haven't lighted up, you will still be in darkness. You need to light it up. So when we bring it to our Christian life, when you own the Bible, you put it by your bedside. Some people think doing that is just protecting them. And you haven't even opened the Bible. It's going to be it's not going to be useful to you, to your life. It's not going to guard your life, okay? By putting it by your bedside or mounting it wherever you want to mount it. You actually have to bring it down, take it out of your bedside, and actually read it. So God's word is like someone owing the Bible and they haven't opened it yet. When your parents give you the word of God, give you Bible, give you what God says, and you actually haven't practiced it. Like it haven't really make any changes in your life. So that's lamp. When you have lamp, you haven't lighted up, it's going to be useless until you use it, actually make use of it by lighting it. So it takes me to also the second thing that was said here in verse 23. It says, and the instruction, a light. So now, when I read this, I think of it as Jesus is the light. When we go to John, when we go to New Testament, John 1, 4 to 5 says, The word, which is Jesus, gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So Jesus is the one that ignites the lamp, is the one that lightens the lamp. The word of God makes the word of God God becomes light. Okay, so he's the light of men. And that's what he's talking about here. So we need Jesus in our life. You cannot just have that Bible or have the word of God without having Jesus. You need Jesus in your life, okay? So that's how I understood it. So also, believing in Jesus, that's how you get saved and you have the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit will teach you the light, which is teaching you the way to life. Teaching you how you should live as Christ. How how you should live Christ-like life. How to be a Christian. Okay, how to walk in the light, how to walk in the way of life. Okay, because Jesus is the way, truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through him. So that's the light. You need the Holy Spirit to direct you to the light, to tell you, to instruct you how to walk in the light. So that's what he's talking about. Then also, going back to Proverbs 6, going back to Proverbs 6, we're still on verse 23. Now, if you to finish the verse 23, it says, their corrective discipline is the way to life, okay? So, the corrective discipline, you know, when I read it, it's basically when you have, now you have the lamp, right? Which is the word of God, and you have ignited the lamp. That means you have lighted up, you have, you have the light, you have lighted up by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know? And now you need to walk in them also, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit also have to empower you to practice what you now know. That's what it is. So, and this should be a continuous practice. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous practice. And that's what it's also called. That's also how God sanctify us. It's also called sanctification process. That's what we are. When you get saved, you are going, you are being sanctified all throughout your life until the day you die to meet our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the air, okay? So that's it should be a continuous practice that require humility. Humility, why I say humility is that you have to allow godly men 
and godly women to correct you. And most importantly, not suppressing or quenching the Holy Spirit when he's convincing you of sin. When he convicts you of sin, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, you just confess, repent, and don't be prideful. Okay? So also I want to mention things too. Yes, the Holy Spirit, um, when you're reading the word of God, the Holy Spirit shows you the light, makes that word of God become light, becomes real life to you, right? Is illuminating. The word of God will be illuminated, you know, by the Holy Spirit. You know, stop things like that. Also, the Holy Spirit can do that, can teach you those things, um, can teach you the word of God directly, or it can use godly men and women to teach you the word of God, okay? So that's why it's important to be in a church that preach the word of God, not church that try to appeal your emotions all the time, trying a way to manipulate you emotionally so they can get money from you or just get numbers. They're all about numbers. They're not all about people genuinely being saved, okay? So giving people the word of God, because even if you get saved, you need the word of God for sanctification because that's what's going to train you for righteousness, okay? That's the word of God. It has that power, you know, to train you. You get what I mean? So we, you need to be in a sound and healthy church to teach you those things. It's a lifelong process. It's a discipline that we need to go through. So as Christians, we need to maintain a culture of discipline. That means we should be calling out each other's wrong, and we should be doing it in love. And when someone calls out your wrong privately, do it in a kind and loving way. You shouldn't shun them. You shouldn't be irritated by them or get angry and push them away. No, it should be a normal thing. We should normalize that because that's how we are going to grow as a Christ follower. We are not to behave like the world, to be prideful, be resentful, all those things. No, that's not a trait of a Christian. That's not a trait of a believer, okay? As a believer, our culture should be a, a culture of reproof. A culture of discipline because God loves those who he disciplined, okay? We have to love someone enough to discipline them, to call out when they are doing wrong. And we have to do it in love. We shouldn't be rejoicing in their wrongdoing because we are scared of them or because we want them to still to like us, to be around us. No, we should still be bold enough to correct their wrong in love and make sure it's a sin. It's not just based on preferences, like I said earlier on. So... That's um that's where I'm going to end. I'm going to also end by reading um some 119, 105 to 112. Let me read it. It says Psalm 119, 105 to 112 reads, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I have promised it once, and I will promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulation. I have suffered much. Oh Lord, restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offerings of praise and teach me your regulation. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instruction. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandment. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end my brothers and sisters in the lord please hold on to god's word tie it around your neck that means memorize it not just in your head in your heart okay and never depart from it and the lord will guard your steps okay i don't know if you ever ask yourself question 
do I treasure the word of God? Do I hunger to hear the word of God? On Sundays, other than going to church, check mark, being, that's what Christians do. Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why do you go to Bible studies every Sunday? Every whatever, Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it is, right? Why do you do that? Do you do that because that's, you're going to meet your friends or that's what you're supposed to do? Do you do that because you hunger? You thirst for God's word. What is the new thing I'm going to learn today to edify me, to build me up, to make me walk in the light, to help me walk in the light, to guide my part? That should be where our motive is. Not because, oh, I don't, uh, I'm going to, there's this nice outfit that I have that I'm going to uh, shock everybody on Sunday. I'm going to show off, you know? Or people will see me, I was like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. Or I'm going to see my friends. Some people go to church for competition of cars, for clothes, whatever it might be. Those are materialistic things. Those are earthly things. And those are fleshy things. You should go to church, hunger to hear God's word. God's word. Speak through your pastor, okay? That's what you should be going for. At least that should be the primary goal. And another one could be seeing your fellow brothers and sisters, fellowshipping with them, talking to them, checking up on them. But please, treasure God's word. Don't let it go. Don't, de don't depart from it. Don't walk astray from it. And I pray the Holy Spirit to hold you. I pray that Christ Jesus, because him that saved you, he will hold you to the end. Okay, he that began the good work in you will see it to completion to the day of Christ. Okay, until the day of Christ. So I hope that you are encouraged by this episode and I hope that you stay encouraged and Christ will be your light. Christ will be that encouragement that you need. I love you guys so much and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to rate us five star if you don't mind if you think we, sh we deserve it and please subscribe to us wherever you're listening to because um so you'll be notified whenever we release any new episode and um i hope to see talk to you guys again next week tuesday remember god loves you and i love you too Bye -bye. thanks for listening to the vent time with connie podcast Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at VentTimeWithConnie or send an email to VentTimeWithConnie at Yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.